Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a four-time, 22-year survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm also a motivational speaker, speaker mentor, published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And hi, I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 24-year survivor, a certified life coach, the author of my book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. And we're also the co-founders of Breast Friends. You know, we it's amazing how timing kind of happens sometimes, isn't it, Sharon? We've, oh, we've yeah. had this we've had this show booked for several weeks with this specific guest that we're very excited to bring on and talk to. But before we do, I wanted to share something kind of interesting and what makes this so incredibly timing. You know, when I was first diagnosed with breast cancer 22 years ago, I did not know I had any kind of family history. Um, you know, nobody talked about it back then. And when they asked me if I had a family history, I said, no, not that I could think of. And then a short time later, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. So, you know, now we have a family history. She was so cute. She goes, I didn't know I could get it from you. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. But then, um, but then as I started looking closer at my dad's side of the family, it turns out that his mom had breast cancer. His brother had colon cancer. His sister had breast cancer twice. His niece had breast cancer. And so my, I, I worked with a geneticist and we thought, you know, we should probably schedule a test. And back when I finally did the test um, in, in 2010, all they knew about was two tests, the BRCA1 and BRCA2 gene mutations. And I tested negative for both of those. And I did delay put, you know, actually doing that test because I wasn't sure what my kids would do if they wanted to know the information. And I wanted to wait until they told me that they were ready to hear the answer. And I mean, I already knew I had breast cancer, so I didn't add my risk any really at that point, but we'll probably find out later in our conversation that it did. But <clears throat> they did finally say, yes, they wanted to know, and we I had the test and it was negative. But then in 2013, Myriad came out with a new panel, and there's 26 more tests that they can test for, and I finally had that done, and just yesterday, I got the results, and I actually do have a gene mutation. And that kind of, I mean, I kind of knew sort of in the back of my mind that there had to be something there with all the family, you know, the connection to it. And the gene that I tested for um, that is is a problem actually increases my risk of breast and colon cancer. So now I have to start looking into that. <laughs> but, um, but deep down, I kind of knew that there was something, maybe they just hadn't found my particular gene mutation yet. So I guess what I'm saying is for those of you who are thinking about doing it, this is going to be a great show. You're going to get a lot of good information about maybe why you should. And for those who did it, you know, several years ago, prior to 2013, consider doing it again because there's a whole lot new they can test for. And I can't wait to get into this conversation. So um, let's go ahead and, and get our guest introduced. We have on the line with us today, Lisa Schlager. Lisa is the Vice President of Community Affairs and Public Policy, um, and she manages strategic partnerships for FORCE, and we're going to find out about FORCE here in a minute, and it is a national nonprofit dedicated to the hereditary cancer community. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining our show today. 
Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself to our audience, maybe talk about your background, your family, just you know, a little bit so we can get to know you a little bit. Sure. So, um, like you, I, um, I didn't know that I had a family history of cancer. And uh, if somebody had asked me what I thought my risk of breast cancer was, I probably would have indicated that I was either average or below average risk uh, up until my early 30s. And as chance would have it, my father's sister, who was 10 years younger than him, was diagnosed with breast cancer that year, and they caught it early. She was 49, um, still a bit on the young side for cancer, uh, for breast cancer especially. So she happened to be in the right place at the right time, and they were testing people for the BRCA genetic mutations um, at Sloan Kettering. It was a, a research study at the time. This was back in 1999, and these tests had only been out for a few years. Um, there was a lot of research taking place, and she was tested and learned that she carries a BRCA1 mutation, other, otherwise known as BRCA1. Um, so then they said, well, well, we'll test family members for free. We're very interested in seeing how prevalent this is and how many other family members are impacted. So my father was tested, and then um, I was the next oldest female in the family, so I agreed to be tested, and ultimately, my father and I both tested positive, oh uh, which was yeah, very shocking to me at the time. I was mm-hmm. I was in my early 30s, newly married, hadn't had children yet, and honestly, we didn't know a lot about these mutations at the time. Many of the studies had really not involved many people, but they did know for sure that it conferred uh, significantly increased risk of breast and ovarian cancer for women. And um, they suspected increased risk of certain cancers for men. So that really changed my life in some profound ways. Um, uh, It was a little challenging at the time because I did not know anybody else like me. Uh, um, Somebody who was at high risk of cancer but hadn't actually had cancer. So I took the information and began increased screenings, which involved MRIs, um, breast MRIs and mammograms every six months, as well as screening for ovarian cancer, which is not very effective, but at the time they did transvaginal sonograms and um, a CA125 protein blood marker test. And, and I did that for quite a while. Eventually, uh, I did find FORCE, the organization that I now work for, and um, felt very passionate about getting involved and giving back to the community because knowing that you have an increased risk of cancer or that you carry an inherited predisposition or mutation that has caused your cancer um, really is not just a personal issue, but it's an issue that affects your entire family. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you understand that so well. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, And I felt in some ways very fortunate that I had that information and that knowledge. And we did identify other family members ultimately who did have cancer. My grandmother, who we thought died of breast, or I'm sorry, of of lung cancer, we determined it was actually a metastasis from her breasts. Mm -hmm. And one one of my great grandmothers who died of female issues. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So that's the way people 
talked about things back then, but I felt very fortunate to learn about my predisposition and felt that everybody should have that choice to be educated and to make an informed decision about whether or not they wanted to know yeah, if absolutely. they have. An, and it is a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. Genetic testing is not right for everyone, but there's an no reason that someone shouldn't have the option to make that decision for themselves. So that has um, sort of been the impetus for my work with FORCE. And um, a lot of what I do now is public policy work that really focuses on access to care issues. And I'm sure we'll tap into that a little later in the discussion. So what does FORCE stand for? Just so our listeners can learn a little bit. It's a bit of a mouthful. It stands for (laughs) Facing Our risk of cancer empowered. So this, um, we serve both uh, survivors and what we call previvors. So previvors are people who have a high risk um, due to an inherited mutation or a strong family history, but haven't been diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. And so we serve both communities because they both have unique needs. um, And we serve men as well as women because there are men in our community who have these mutations, who um, are at high risk or have had diagnoses of male breast cancer, prostate cancer. These are some of the cancers we see. Um, So FORCE is really dedicated to serving this community through um, providing information, evidence-based information about mutations, um, what the guidelines say for screening, Um, what your options are for risk reduction, potentially, you know, issues around insurance coverage. We provide support and peer navigation. We also facilitate research. So we're really sort of um, a clearinghouse for the hereditary cancer community when it comes to anything that you might need or want uh, in regard to this journey that uh, hereditary cancer is. Lisa, you mentioned... um Previvors, and isn't that what Angelina Jolie was when she made her mm-hmm. uh, decision? She, she was a previvor, right? She hadn't been yes, diagnosed with cancer. Absolutely, you know, it's so amazing. We've met so many women just like that, just like her, who made that decision—the same decision that she made—to be proactive and have her breasts removed. And I think she did the oophorectomy to remove her ovaries. We know so many women that have done that thing but they they're because she's famous she got she got you know kind of known for it but um but you know they're they're it's a very hard thing to do and it's not a decision that is entered into lightly but for those who are willing to make that that proactive um change in their lives that's that's pretty admirable if you ask me i i'm sure there's differing opinions on that but um but I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about that later on. So so I was going to ask you how and why you got involved in your work, but I think I already know. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Gave us a pretty good pretty good update on that. So so Sharon, you had some questions for her. Yeah, definitely. Um obviously uh having a genetic marker uh, plays a, a role in, in cancer, um, but there's other risk factors as well. Why don't you just kind of educate our audience uh, in case people aren't aware? Of course. So every woman is um, has a certain amount of risk for breast cancer. Um, just being a woman is probably the biggest indicator of risk. Uh, about one in eight women will be diagnosed, and the 
biggest risk factors are age, um, weight. So people who are heavier or obese have a higher risk of breast cancer. Um, Certain races and ethnicities are higher risk. They also look at um, number of pregnancies and when you started menstruating and even breastfeeding history, that can play into um, increased or reduced risk. And then there are some general things like smoking and alcohol use that can also contribute. Um, Of course, genetics and family history also plays a role, but it um, is combined with a lot of these other factors for most women. Mm -hmm. And I think she was going to ask um, if I'm guessing properly how much of a role genetics and family history plays in in breast cancer. And I will say um, to date, the estimate has been that only about 10% of women, uh, breast cancer in women is thought to be hereditary. But as you pointed out earlier, we're learning so much more in regard to the role that genetics plays. And we're now testing for so many different types of mutations that we expect that number will likely grow. Um, So right now we think it's 10% of cancers are due to heredity. Um, you know, specific genetic factors, and the rest are what we call sporadic. They just happen for a multitude of reasons that we can't really identify. Lisa, Um, let me ask you a clarifying question on that, because they've been floating that number of 10% around for a really long time, and and as you were starting, I think, starting to point out, is that now with the new, the 26 new genetic mutations that they found, because originally I was in the no column, (laughs) now I'm in the yes column, so you know, before I was sporadic, now I'm, I'm, it's family heredity. So do you think that number of 10 really is still 10? Or do you think it is actually maybe even significantly higher than that? What's your thought on that? Uh, I'll admit I'm not a researcher. Okay. (laughs) But, but, but based on my experience, I do feel that probably that number is climbing. And over time, we're going to see that number, um, Reach, reach a higher percentage. Okay. We're still learning. We're really still in the infancy of genetics and the role it plays. Um, but I do believe that that 10% figure is on the low side now. Um, we also know that for men, um, at least 20% of male breast cancers are due to genetic factors. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, male breast cancer is much more rare, but yeah. I think the more genetic testing we do, the more we're going to find um, that genetics does play a role and very similar to, to what happened with you. People who may be tested negative in the past are going to go back and find out that, in fact, there is an explanation that we do uh, now. We're able to identify what's causing um, the cancers in that family. You know, we're going to go out to break here in a minute, but before we do, I just wanted to make a quick comment. When I got this news yesterday, I wasn't really sure how to process it. In in some way, I felt maybe a little vindicated that there's a reason for my cancer. But on the other hand, I'm thinking about my kids and my grandkids and wondering the impact it's going to have on them if you know, if they inherited this, the same gene mutation. So, you know, I, I'm a little conflicted on this. I Knowledge is power, but it's also a little discomforting at times. So I, I'm still processing this. Like I said, I just got the news yesterday and we'll move forward with it as, you know, as time goes. But um, anyway, I just wanted to say that before we go out to break, we will, uh, we, we're going to go now. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Okay. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about hereditary breast cancer with our guest, Lisa Slager. So, Lisa, we were talking about on the first um, uh, section um, about hereditary cancers. So, why don't we talk about the warning signs? Sure. So, when somebody looks at their family history, their health history, it's important to look at both your mother and your father's side. A lot of people think female cancers wouldn't come from the father's side of the family, but that's not true. We are 50% of each parent. So um, you want to look for things like um, basically any woman who's had ovarian cancer or fallopian tube cancer, that's a red flag right there. A very high percentage of those cancers are due to heredity and genetics. So that's a, an automatic red flag. Also, early onset cancer. So breast cancers before the age of 50. Um, people who've had two separate cancers, like you know breast and ovarian or two separate breast cancers. Um, and there's a type of 
cancer called triple negative breast cancer, and they find that a high percentage of those uh, is also due to genetics. We've talked about male breast cancer, um, but other solid tumor cancers like pancreatic cancer, prostate cancer, and colon cancer also can be associated. So if you look at your family history and you see a combination of any of these um, or multiple people you know, with breast or ovarian, that's, that's definitely an indicator that there may be something going on in the family. And the best thing to do, if that looks like your family, is to talk to your doctor um, and ask for a referral to a genetic counselor. Genetic counselors are expert trained. Um, They know all about the latest um, research in regard to the different genetic mutations, and they can identify the right genetic test, um, whether it help you decide if genetic testing is something you want to do. They explain the laws that protect you um, and or don't for certain genetic tests. Um, and so there, it's a great place to start, and um, they can get you on the right road and, and help you determine if genetic testing is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and, that's and the most the most we hear about is the BRCA mutations and and the the BRCA one and two. That was what you were diagnosed with was the BRCA one, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So, and is that to, is that the one that has the tendency to be ovarian as well as breast? Actually, both BRCA one and BRCA two um, are are conveying increased risk of breast and ovarian. Um, they slightly, are. Okay. yeah, slightly different odds, but still both significantly increased risk. So, um, and I do want to point out, people sometimes say, oh, I have the BRCA gene. Um, We all have BRCA genes. Everybody actually has two copies. I just learned that the other day. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that neat? Yeah. Um, These genes are actually tumor suppressor genes. So if one of them is broken or mutated, the body's ability to fight tumors is compromised. And so that's really what a BRCA mutation is. You inherit mm. one good copy, and then you inherit a broken copy, and therefore the body's not able to fight the cancer like it should. Uh, and that's sort of the way a lot of these gene mutations work. They compromise the body's ability to, to fight cancer like it should. Hmm. Yeah, I was surprised to actually learn why that. one mutates or anything, do they? Um, at this point, it started back in history, um, and these mutations are, the ones that we're talking about, um, are only inherited mutations, so you're literally born with them. Um, there are other mm-hmm. types of mutations that are acquired over a lifetime, and we can talk about that later. But um, these are what we call germline mutations, meaning that you were born with it, it's inherited, and there's nothing you can do to change it. It's just there. Um, Obviously, healthy lifestyle and other things um, are are recommended, but um, you can't fix the gene that's broken. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, I know. So so can we... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? Can we talk about then the other genes that have been recently discovered? Because I know that's what's really affecting Becky in this case. Yes. So based on what Becky's described, it sounds like she's affected by Lynch syndrome. Um, Lynch syndrome is a hereditary cancer syndrome, and there are several genes that contribute to it. 
Um, and the, the things it's most known for are risk of colon cancer, also endometrial or uterine cancer, and breast cancer. Um, yeah. They didn't show that so, on the chart that, that they gave me. They just said breast and colon. So Yeah. Uh, so maybe something you want to talk, you know, research a little more and just see okay. um, if you need to look into that. But there's a whole alphabet soup of other mutations now. There's one called PALB2, uh, one called CHECK2, uh, ATM, um, BRIP1, CDH1. <laughs> each, I, I know. <laughs> each of these, <laughs> each of these has um, a different. Um, Different characteristics as far as which cancers um, it predisposes a person to and what exactly those risks are. Some of them are considered high-risk gene mutations and some are more moderate risk. So um, they can test now, as you said, for as many as 30 different gene mutations so that you're not shooting in the dark looking for one at a time. Um, and it is enabling us to identify so many more people who are affected um, by a genetic predisposition um, and, and, you know, giving us the ability to gather more data and information. Some of these newer mutations, we don't know as much about them as we'd like. BRCA has been around for a long time now, um, so we are still gathering information. So, you know, there are guidelines now. The National Comprehensive Cancer Network is developing guidelines for all of the different mutations, and they change them regularly as we gain more information about the risks associated with each one. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think that the question that might be in our audience's um, minds is, why do I want to know these kinds of things? And I think with the BRCA um, gene mutation, um, I remember hearing some staggering statistics. It wasn't like, you know, uh, when uh, uh, if you were going to get breast cancer, it was like when we were going to get it more so because it was so high, like in the 80s, right? Is it yeah. still about that? Yeah. There are different studies with different estimate ranges, but we have seen estimates up into 80 to 85% for some BRCA1 mutation carriers. That's for breast cancer. And as high as 60% for ovarian. So those are pretty staggering numbers. And um, Mm -hmm. you can see why some individuals may want to consider preventive surgery. Uh, It's not not the right choice for everyone. But given that type of risk and, and looking at the family history, for some people, it seems like, you know, an appropriate decision. You know, it is a right, it is a exactly. tough decision. It's a tough decision because, like for example, the one that they found in me yesterday was was the check too, and you know, my dad. Oh, I got it, I got it from my dad, but he is ninety one years old and he's never had cancer. But his That's siblings right. did, his mom did, you know, and all that. But he never did. So, and I guess it increases my risk of breast cancer to thirty seven percent. Well, I've gone through it four times, so we know <laughs> we know that one's a hundred percent. But but the point I'm trying to make there is that it, it's tough because not everyone who carries the gene mutation will get cancer, and not everyone who doesn't carry a gene mutation won't get cancer. That's so exactly you still right. have exactly. to be you have to be diligent either way um, because you don't know what's you know what's really there. But yeah. I just wanted to add that because. Mm-hmm. True. It's not 100% risk. And especially in men, um, sometimes these mutations get kind of masked uh, because most men don't get breast cancer and they don't have over 
ovaries or, or uterus. So a lot of times you might look at a family history and say, well, there's no history. But that, especially in families where it's uh, male heavy, um, uh, you won't see as much breast and ovarian cancer. So sometimes it makes it difficult to really assess that history. So if a man mm-hmm. carries that the gene sense. mutation, Sharon, I'm sorry, I know I'm kind of interrupting your part here, but I just want no, clarity no, on fine. a couple of these. Um, so if a man carries the same gene, let's say a man carries the BRCA1 gene and mm-hmm. he passes it to his son and his daughter, um, if they both carry it, do they both have the same percentage of risk? Are they both still both in the 80% or is the male risk lower just because he's a male? So the risk for... For, as an example, I'll use my own family. Uh, my father carries the BRCA1 mutation. He passed it to me. I have a brother. So if if my brother also inherited it, his risk of breast cancer is not in the 80th percentile. Okay. Um, okay. Men's breast cancer risk is much lower. Okay. Um, still higher than the average population sure. of men, but significantly lower. So it, it is really more um, concerning for women, um, I will say that BRCA2 mutations do convey a higher breast cancer risk for men than okay. BRCA1 mutations. Okay. Um, but you do have, each of us has an equal 50% chance of inheriting the mutation, but it sure. impacts men and women differently. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. That was the one That's question somebody asked me ahead of time to find out, and I didn't know the answer to that. So um, thank yeah. you for And that's a great question. Yeah, absolutely. So again, does insurance cover genetic testing? So it does with certain caveats. Um, under the Affordable Care Act, any um, preventive service that the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force has given either a grade A or a grade B to is covered or supposed to be covered at no cost to the patient. So that includes things like colonoscopy starting at age 50, uh, mammograms starting at age 40, and genetic testing for BRCA mutations. Um, the catch there is that... Um, if you want to test for something for beyond BRCA, as we've heard, that's something that people want to do now and, and it's becoming more standard of care, that doesn't have to be covered. Um, mm-hmm. So many insurers are starting to cover it, but they've been slow. They consider these big panels still to be somewhat investigational. They, um, mm-hmm. they look at some of the mutations and feel that we don't have enough data yet. So in some cases, they will pay for a portion of it. Um, and what we're finding is a lot of the genetic testing labs are willing to offset the cost patients um, because they want to gather that data. Um, so there mm-hmm. are, uh, typically insurance will pay for at least a portion. It usually pays for 100% of BRCA testing. But for the multi-gene panel tests, um, it really depends on the insurer and the policy you have. Each insurer is different, and they make their decisions on uh, what they will cover. But we are seeing more and more coverage. Um, and as I said, there are assistance programs for patients who cannot afford to pay for that big panel. Um, and we are actually seeing much lower cost options. So there's a company out there called, 
I don't know if I should self-promote, but there's a company now that's doing testing for $249. Wow. Uh, and they're testing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yes, exactly. And they're co- and they're testing for 30 different mutations, and they're shown wow. to be very accurate. So um, it's a little bit uh, of a less traditional path because um, you don't usually go through your doctor to get that, but um, but it's definitely an option for people who are struggling um, to, to pay for one of the more expensive, uh, broader panels. What was the name of that one? Mm-hmm. It's Color, Color Genetics. Yeah, Color, Color Genetics. Okay. Yeah. And um, they have a unique model. Um, you go online, fill out a profile. They have a medical professional okay. review your, your health history. And um, they send you a spit test in the mail. Oh. You basically spit into a t- test tube, send it back, oh. and then you get a um, an appointment with their genetic counselor and talk to them via phone to get your results. Um, so you do get some genetic counseling and some personalized reports, and then you take that information, uh, and if warranted, to your healthcare professionals for follow-up. That's wonderful. You know, one of the things I did hear from my genetic counselor is that since Myriad did my BRCA testing 10 years ago, that they normally will bill your insurance for the new panel, but if they'll only, they'll take what they get and they won't bill the patient for the rest of it because they already did the first round of testing and they do want that complete information. So, So I would check with your genetic counselor about that and just see if it was Myriad that did your first one and, and kind of just know that may be an option for you. So, And um, even uh, some of the other labs that are doing testing, if you've tested once and they've come out with some, you know, new mutations since then, many of them are willing to work with patients and their clinicians to offer affordable options. Oh, that's wonderful. So we, we don't have much time left in this session. So I'm just going to, um, I think we've covered some of the questions I had for you. But let me just kind of, this, we're going to switch gears just a little bit. So what are the recommendations for people who are at high risk of cancer, either due to testing positive or for any other reason? What what recommendations? So uh, the professional societies, such as the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, um, the American Society of Clinical Oncology, these groups put out guidelines. And most of them are pretty consistent. Um, it, it, they do vary based on the mutation you have because each one is unique. But for instance, uh, if, a, if a person, a woman carries a BRCA mutation, they recommend starting breast cancer screening at age 25. Okay. So that's a big departure from the general population. And, and that would involve um, starting with breast MRIs and then adding in mammograms uh, alternating every six months starting at age 25 or whenever the individual learns of their mutation. Now, that applies to someone who's high risk. If you've already had a diagnosis, that's a little bit different. But um, And then, unfortunately, for, for ovarian cancer, we don't really have good screening for that. Um, and so there are some things they can try to do, but ultimately the recommendation is to remove your ovaries and fallopian tubes once you're done having children. And that's mm-hmm. not a great option, but that's what we have at this point. Um, yeah. So you do have women, unfortunately, who have to go into menopause at younger ages um, to avoid that, that high risk of ovarian cancer. For men, mm-hmm. men uh, also PSA, te- you know, PSA testing, uh, they recommend starting that earlier um, or colonoscopies if you're at increased risk <laughs> of colon 
cancer, you would uh, start screening with colonoscopies earlier than the, the general population. Wow, good mm-hmm. information. That makes sense. Well, we are going to go out to break, so stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. We've got a lot more to cover, so see you in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about hereditary breast cancer with our guest, Lisa, Lisa Schlager, excuse me. Um, and I was just, what, what's the value of doing genetic testing if you've already been diagnosed with cancer? How does that that's work, a, Lisa? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, a lot of people want to know if they're at an increased risk, but what if you've already had cancer? Why bother, right? Um, the truth right. is that um, many of the these mutations confer increased risk of more than one type of cancer. So, for instance, if you have a BRCA mutation and you've been diagnosed with breast cancer, you may also have a high risk of ovarian cancer, and and that's in some ways even scarier. So, it informs the individual um, if they need to be concerned about increased risk of other cancers and gives them the opportunity to be proactive um, in regard to that. Um, The other Mm -hmm key point is that it helps you uh, inform family members. So hopefully you can prevent other cancers from affecting your family and educating people about their potential risks so they can get tested if they choose to, and then they can start increased screening so that they can either catch cancer early or prevent it. Um, And then I think the final uh, important factor is 
Unfortunately, we do see many people have recurrences, not everyone, but that is always a chance that that would happen. And we have some phenomenal new therapies um, to treat cancer um, that are targeted and specifically for people that have certain mutations. So there's a class Mm -hmm. of drugs called PARP inhibitors, for instance, that is shown to be extremely effective in people who have a BRCA mutation. And the only way that you're going to qualify for that is if you have testing and you find out that you have that mutation. So um, those are three good reasons, I think, uh, for people to consider testing, even if they've already had a cancer diagnosis. Good point. Yeah, I mean, to find out my risk of colon cancer just increased. It didn't just increase. It's always been there. But but now I know it's there. And so (laughs) I'm going to start looking at diet diet things what can i do so you know this kind of raises a new awareness of what can i do to maybe prevent these new ones from happening so let me ask you a quick question um we talked a little bit about insurance and we know that there would be increased screening costs of for insurance and i'm guessing we just need to t- check with our insurance company if they would cover that but what about preventative surgery if you have your breasts removed have a nephrectomy is that right. usually covered Yeah, so we see that people have basically three choices when they find out they're high risk. They can do increased screening. Um, In some cases, women take chemo prevention like tamoxifen um, or they opt for surgery. And insurance typically does cover at least a portion of all of those options. But when it comes to surgery, um, we really have seen the industry step up. They recognize that these risks are very high for some people, Mm -hmm. and these are not easy decisions. And we see about 95% of group health insurance companies do cover preventive surgeries, and that's including the ovaries and fallopian tubes as well as the breasts. Um, Where we see exceptions are um, plans that are exempt from the Affordable Care Act, for instance, like um, privately funded insurance plans through certain employers, small employers. Occasionally, those are plans that um, really have uh, uh, exclusions that won't allow for coverage. But even there, we've tried to help appeal in some cases. But I would say that Mm -hmm. most insurance plans do cover. Of course, you have to meet your, you know, Know, out-of-pocket deductibles mm-hmm. and, and co-pays and so forth, um, but rest assured that most companies do cover a significant portion. Well, it makes sense because the, the surgeries to, you know, the cost of the surgery to prevent something is far less expensive than the treatment if you don't prevent it, you know, and Absolutely. all the chemo and the radi- right. radiation and you're still going to have surgery anyway. So, yeah, that makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. So we're going to need yeah, to move on because we're on our last segment. So, Sharon, I think you had some questions for her in this last well, part. So. I guess speaking of health insurance, and everybody always gets worried about this, if they have genetic testing um, or they test positive for one of these inherited mutations, um, does, could they lose their insurance? Could they, you know, could it um, make a difference in the future as far as how they're being insured? Good yeah, question. it is a good question, and and we are in very uncertain times in regard to our health insurance system. Um, so I, I honestly can't say what's going to happen in regard to the Affordable no, Care Act. No, come on, Lisa. <laughs> uh, if only, yeah. Um, if but only, I will say, yeah. Cur- currently, uh, in our current system. Um, you cannot be denied health insurance, period. 
Um, you can't lose your health insurance, period. Every American is guaranteed health insurance if they want it under the Affordable Care Act. So Affordable Care Act aside, though, um, there are other laws that help protect people who have genetic testing or just a strong family history. Uh, importantly, there's one called the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, and that is completely separate from the Affordable Care Act. It was enacted, um, gosh, I think in 2008 and really took effect in 2010, but it ensures and it guarantees that um, any, any individual who has an increased risk of a disease, such as cancer, that information cannot be used against them to discriminate in health insurance or employment. So that means you, um, if you have a strong predisposition to cancer, they can't deny you health insurance or raise your rates just based on your predisposition. Um, so that's mm-hmm. called the GINA law. And um, it is a little nuanced because once you're diagnosed, that's considered a pre-existing condition. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, really? so even though you don't yeah. have cancer, no, yeah. no, one, not with, not the diagnosis of the mutation, but a oh, diagnosis of cancer. I'm sorry. So, I missed Yeah. No, so having a mutation is not what we call manifest disease. It's, it's a predisposition, but you don't actually have disease, but somebody like you, who's already had cancer, has already been diagnosed. That goes sort of into a little bit of a different category. Um, so it's, it's a bit nuanced, but, um, at this point, you know, when people say, oh, I'm worried I might be discriminated against for a pre-existing condition, someone who's had cancer definitely has cause for concern and worry. And that's half of our community, let's face it, you know, for hereditary cancer. But the other half of the community who hasn't had cancer yet and just knows that they have a strong predisposition, that inf- that can't be used against them for health insurance, at least according to this okay. law, the GINA law. Um, yeah, we good. also have okay. things, you know, like the Women's Health and, and Cancer Rights Act that guarantees that if an insurer pays for your mastectomy, they also have to pay for breast reconstruction. Right. Uh, if that's something you want. And then we all know about HIPAA, um, you know, about certain privacy uh, protections that you have when you go to see a healthcare professional. So all of those laws come into place. Uh, play. I will say there is an exception to GINA, and, and it's one that does concern some people, uh, understandably, and that is it doesn't cover life insurance, disability mm-hmm. insurance, or long-term care. So those types of insurance, they can basically deny you or discriminate against you for any reason they want. Yes, they can. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a little I, crazy. So yeah, that is I can't an get life insurance. Right. A lot of times once you've been diagnosed, they want to see you being cancer free for at least five years. And even then they raise your rates. But even for people who haven't had cancer, who maybe just have a mutation that predisposes them, some insurers, some life insurers and other companies are now denying coverage. My advice there is not every insurer is following the same rule book. So we see some insurance companies denying and others giving policies without a problem. So if one company mm-hmm. turns you down, keep shopping. Keep shopping. Yeah, keep that's, shopping. Good. that's good advice. Yeah. Because yeah. we just, we don't, yeah. It, and you know what I found with some of the insurance companies is they well, they consider five years free from the last time you took medications for that 
disease. Oh. So if you're on a lifetime, like I'm going to be on Femara for the rest of my life, so it doesn't matter if if my last cancer was five years ago or eight years ago, as long as I'm on Femara, I'm still under active cancer treatment, they yeah. say. So yeah. I can't get, mm. I, I can get one of those little policies that covers your funeral, but that's about yeah. all I can get. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you have insurance, like, you know, life whole policy, hang on to it because you just never know when you, that might come back into play. So sure. um, before we run out of time, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, force and how people can find out more about hereditary cancers. Why don't you give, give your organization a, a nice plug here? You've got about... I don't know, three minutes or so. Let's just go through it and figure it out. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So I'm very passionate about FORCE and the work we do in the community. Um, We are rather unique in that we are the only organization that specifically focuses on these hereditary cancers for, you know, the entire family, basically, men, women, people of all ages. Um, So you can go uh, out on the lovely World Wide Web and Google um, hereditary cancer or BRCA and FORCE's website will probably come up. But for those who want to know specifically, it's www.facingourrisk.org. And um, there you can find information about really just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of information about hereditary cancers and all these different mutations and what the recommendations are and the pros and cons of screening and testing. Um, But you can also find support. So we have in-person support groups around the country. We have um, an award-winning peer navigation program. We have a helpline in English and Spanish. We also have a phenomenal, um, really unparalleled conference that takes place every year where we bring in the world's leading experts in these cancers to talk about the research and the latest developments and surgical techniques and, um, you know, anything that might interest people, including fertility preservation and quality of life issues, because those are very important. And communicating with family members, which we've heard, you know, is something that is a big concern here. Yeah. Um, hey, let me, can I ask you a question on that sure. just before we, you keep going here? Um, yesterday, my son tried to do a very proactive thing and he called his physician down in <laughs> L.A. to see if he could get us an appointment to have this testing done. They didn't have a clue what he was talking about. So um, he asked me which department he should call at the hospital and all that. And I'm, I'm really proud of him for being proactive. Is there a list somewhere on your site that shows maybe where a person can go for genetic counseling based on geographic area that they live in? Yes, there's actually a search tool. Um, we have a link to the National Society of Genetic Counselors. Okay. And with their website, they have a tool where you can search for in-person or even virtual or phone um, okay. counseling. And you can put in your zip code or address, and it'll tell you um, all of the certified genetic counselors in your area. Um, or if you're in a part of the country where there's limited access to in-person genetic counseling, you can do it virtually. And then if they feel that genetic testing is appropriate, for instance, because there's a known mutation in the family, they will work with you to eat either get a test kit to your doctor or um, to send one, you know, a spit test in the mail. Um, So it's definitely something, but you're right. A lot of um, physicians are not that aware of these newer mutations. And that's why seeing a genetics expert is so 
important. I will pass that information to him. He's got an appointment at noon today to go get a referral from somebody. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so it sounds like your website is very, very full of amazing information. So again, it's facingourrisk.com. Is that correct? No, .org. I'm sorry, .org. Thank you. Yep. I wrote down the wrong thing. Okay. And if somebody wanted to get involved in your conferences, can they register on your site? Absolutely. So okay. there's a number of ways to get involved, but our conference is very affordable. There's registration for the 2018 conference, which is in San Diego this year, uh, is currently open. And then we have a lot of opportunities um, for people to volunteer, as well as for people to get um, support and help for themselves. Wonderful. Well, we are out of time, and I want to thank you so much, Lisa, for being on our show. I couldn't believe the timeliness of this particular episode. We didn't know this was going to happen to me when we booked you, so... I'm very pleased that we, that we were able to have this conversation. So we do want to um, let our listeners know that if you are enjoying our radio broadcasts, and we hope that you are, we do actually have quite a, a bunch of on-demand listeners. We've got, we get around between, I don't know, eight and 15,000 a month of people listening to our shows through, through the on-demand portal. If you like what you're listening to, please consider making a donation to Breast Friends so we can keep this program going. And the way you do that is go to breastfriends.org, big blue button at the top of the page, click that button, make your donation. And it's very helpful to us if you would consider doing that. And I want to let you know, we will be back. Actually, we won't be back next week. It's July 4th. So we have a repeat show coming up. But when we do come back, remember, there's always hope and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hennepin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the